0: Right, we are on to 15 then. Let's see, 15, normal and active galaxies. We're going to look at a couple different, different types of galaxies here. Uh, normal galaxies and active galaxies can be a little bit of a misnomer in that active galaxies makes them sound like they're unusual. You've got normal galaxies, which is almost all the galaxies, and you've got active galaxies, which are unusual but really there's actually a large percentage of galaxies that are active. So it's a, good, it's a good chunk of them. It's not just, you know, 1% or 2%, you know, it's a quarter, a third of galaxies that would actually be classified as active galaxies. Active galaxy just meaning that it's emitting more energy than a typical ga- than a typical galaxy. So it emits a little bit more energy, especially from its core. So what we're going to look at in this chapter First of all, we're going to spend the beginning of it, what we're going to get through today, is looking at all the different types of galaxies. So we've talked about really only spiral galaxies so far. We'll go look at spirals again. But that's because our galaxy was a spiral. So we'll look at those. And then we'll look at all the other different types. There's actually several different types of galaxies. Not every galaxy is a spiral galaxy. There are some that are completely different types. There are elliptical galaxies. There are irregular galaxies. and There are a couple of others that I'll I'll mention. So we'll look at the different types of classifications, different ways galaxies are classified by how they appear. How are they distributed in space? Are galaxies all together? Are they all grouped together in big clusters? We'll find out that they are. They're not spread out uniformly. They're actually grouped into big clusters of galaxies. Um, We'll get another distance measurement. We'll talk about a couple distance measurements here when we look at the distribution of galaxies. And we'll come up with one at the, big, at the end here is Hubble's Law is one of the ways to get distances way out to the edge of the universe. To actually be able to measure to the most distant parts of the universe and be able to get distances. Um, then we'll come and we'll look at active galaxies. So that's pretty much for normal galaxies. Then for active galaxies we'll look at that. I'll get to that tomorrow. We'll talk about active galactic nuclei. That's pretty much what we mean when we say an active galaxy is that there's something unusual going on at the cent- center of it. Um, black hole at the center, right? Our galaxy has a black hole at the center. Most galaxies do. But how active the galaxy is depends on how much you feed the black hole. right? You send a lot of material into that black hole, again, it's spiraling and it doesn't just go in. It's not like a big vacuum where it's sucked in. It spirals in and slowly works its way in. While it's outside that event horizon, it can emit all the energy it wants, and it does. It converts a big chunk. If you might send, you know, a star into a, ga- into, a into a black hole as it gets torn apart, you might convert 20 percent of its matter into energy. That's a lot of energy. The nuclear reactions, you're com- complete, the nuclear reactions that power the sun and give the sun all of its energy, convert a tiny fraction of a percent of matter into energy tiny fraction. Here you could actually, you get close to that black hole and just outside it, you can actually be converting 20 or 30 percent of the matter to energy. So a lot of energy to be had there and when you're feeding that black hole, giving it material, giving it stars, giving it gas clouds to spiral into it, that's when we get an active galaxy that's much much brighter, the central engine being that black hole, being that black hole at the center of that active galaxy. Alrighty. So, what do we have here? We have a couple different types of galaxies. We have spiral galaxies as one classification. Classified by how they look and they're classified according to how big their central bulge is. So there's three different ones here. You have this one has a very large bulge here. A little bit smaller here, and this one its almost blurred out, you can barely see anything, almost no central bulge. So we classify them based on that size. Now, unlike some of the things, at least uh, most of the galaxy classification will make sense. Spiral galaxies are classified as S galaxies, S for spiral, I N- don't know why they didn't use Q or something or J or something really different, but S for spiral. And then they're given an A, or a B, or a C, depending on how big the bulge is. So SAs have the largest bulge, and SCs have the smallest. So you classify a spiral galaxy. can be an SA, an SB, or an SC. And yes, they divide that even more a little bit. You do see galaxies sometimes that are classified as SAB, because you can't quite decide whether it's an A or a B. It's kind of in that borderline. So you can actually get some that classify right in between, or an SAB or an SBC. Again, primarily what we're looking at here is just a general classification. They're either going to be an SA if they've got the real big bulge, or an SC if they have a smaller bulge. And something in between will be an SB galaxy. So easy enough to remember, spiral galaxy, and then just ABC, in, in order too, right? Not like the stellar classification where it was all jumbled up. So very much, much easier to try to keep track, keep track of these. There are some of the images of a couple of different ones. Again, the things you notice are the size of the bulge. Very, very tiny here. Again, most of that is blurred out. You can barely see a bulge there at the center. A little bit larger and a little bit larger. And the other thing you can notice, sometimes there's, there's some kind of relationship to how tightly wound the spiral arms are as well. The SAs are pretty tightly wound together. Bs are a little bit less. And some of the Cs are really spread out. The arms get much more spread out. Not quite as good as the bulge for determining the types. There's not quite as good of a relationship there. But it does have some relationship as well. So, type SA has the largest bulge. Type SB has the le- smallest, uh, next, small, next largest, and then SB, SC is the smallest. If we look at it in terms of the uh, spiral arms, these are the tightest, this is the tightest spiral. So, the arms are very close together, wound very, very tight, and this would be the loosest. Spiral. So very tight spiral arms and looser spiral arms. Again, that's not as good as a relationship as the bulge. There are some SC galaxies that have, some galaxies with a small bulge but have rather tight spiral arms. So it's not perfect. It works pretty well though. But the bulge is how we typically classify these galaxies now. In terms of what these galaxies are like, we've already discussed them pretty much in detail. We looked at them last chapter, we looked at one at our own our galaxy. So they have a disk, a core at the center, a halo, a bulge, spiral arms. They're all pretty much the same as the, what we studied in the previous chapter for our galaxy. So, not going to go through all the components again, but they're the same kind of thing that you had. You had a Center to the galaxy. I just erased up here and you had a bulge and you had a disc and you had a halo. All that we see in everyone in all the other spiral galaxies as well. So they look a lot like ours. Look look like, a lot like our own galaxy. Except that our galaxy isn't classified as one of these. Our galaxy is actually a different type of spiral. There's actually two types of spiral galaxies. So this is an ordinary spiral. And I'm going to go back to those images one more time. Ordinary spiral typically has the spiral arms coming. If you wind them down, you can wind them almost right down into the core. So they come out from the central core someplace. They wind right down into that central bulge and the core there, and then wind their way outward. There's another type of spiral galaxy that does not do that. That's actually a little bit different. And that's what our galaxy is. And that would be called a barred spiral. So a barred spiral is our second class of galaxy here. Barred spiral. A lot like our own galaxy. Again, we classify them by the bulge size. Very large bulge here. Smaller bulge. And again, almost washed out there, as the bulge would be incredibly tiny. The arms, again, are similar. As I said, with the regular spirals, you've got much more tightly wound spiral arms here. They're open up here. And these things are almost completely wide open, spiral arms. So we do see a relationship between those. Now we classify them the same, almost the same way as spirals. So it's a spiral galaxy, so it gets an S for spiral. But it's a barred spiral, so it gets a capital B. Unlike a lot of the other classifications we did, so far it still makes sense. It's a spiral with the bar going through the center. And that's what you're seeing here. The bar is sort of, there's the bulge. But you've got this bar going through it. And then the spiral arms seem to come off the edge of the end of that bar. They don't go down to the core here. They actually come off the edge of the bar. Here's another one with the bar. There's the end of the bar, and there's the spiral arms coming off the end of that, not coming from the center of the galaxy as we saw with the previous ones. But other than that, we classify them exactly the same. You've got SbA, Sb lowercase b, and Sb lowercase c. And again, this is the largest bulge, and this is the smallest bulge. So spiral or barred spiral galaxies, again, why are there two different types? Maybe when we figure out exactly how spiral arms form and we have a better idea of how and why we get spiral arms, then we'll be able to figure out why there's two different types as well. Maybe that'll be able to explain why we get some that are a barred spiral where there's a bar through the center and some that are not. So we don't have the complete physical understanding as of yet as to how those spiral arms form. We think we know how they propagate once they do form, but to actually get them in the first place is something difficult. (laughs) All right. Now, next class of galaxies are elliptical. Now these are completely different from what we've studied before. Elliptical galaxies have no spiral arm and no disk. So if you take away the disk and the spiral arms, you've pretty much got the halo left. An elliptical galaxy is just like a giant halo. They come in a wide range of sizes. Spirals do too, but ellipticals even drastically more so. You can get incredibly tiny elliptical galaxies from little tiny dwarf ellipticals, small little ones. There's actually some that orbit around our galaxy, the Andromeda galaxy, that would be classified as dwarf ellipticals, almost a big globular cluster to some of, the, some of the most giant galaxies that exist. You know, giant galaxies with trillions of stars. So not just millions or hundreds of millions, gigantic galaxies with trillions of stars. Some of the largest galaxies that exist are ellipticals. And so are some of the smallest ones. Maybe only a million stars or so. Something not that much bigger than a globular cluster. And in fact very similar to that. Elliptical galaxies, so, have no spiral arms. I'm gonna leave this for classification. Uh, no spiral arms, no gas and dust, no disk, no star formation. At least not currently. They must have formed stars at some point a long time ago because they've got stars in them. But they haven't formed stars in billions of years. So they've used up all their gas and dust is used up and they're not forming any more, more stars. In some elliptical galaxies it looks like stars have not formed in over 10 billion years. So 10 billion years ago, there must have been a great burst of star formation. All the stars formed at once, and then since then, just about nothing. They do have some gas well around the end of the galaxy, right around the edges of the galaxies, but not within the galaxy itself. Not very little gas, and that's a much hotter gas. Nothing that's ever going to collapse to form stars. So elliptical galaxies are. Really a very much more of a blob type of galaxy. Just a big ball of stars. No gas, no dust, no disk. None of that structure that I just erased up here. None of that structure with a disk and a bulge and all of that. Pretty much just a giant halo. I should have a couple images here. How do we classify ellipticals? Well, let's keep it easy, right? Ellipticals are E's for elliptical. And then we classify them not on the size of the bulge, because they don't really have a bulge, don't have a bulge, don't have a disk, but they're classified by their shape. So you could have an E0 galaxy, which is almost a perfect sphere. And I don't show an E0 there, an E2 would be close to spherical, it's squished a little bit, but almost like a big sphere. So it just looks like a big big blob of stars as you go through them, E2, E3, E5, they get more and more flattened. So you can see this one is getting a much more squashed shape. So you go all the way down to, in this case, E0, down through E7, and E7 would be the most elongated. So if E0s are like a basketball, perfectly spherical, E7s would be more like a football, shape. So they're flattened down. They're not as flat as the spiral galaxy. Spiral galaxies get really flat. They get down to a disc. And you know, to scale they're like paper thin. If you do them to scale. They're incredibly thin. And these get nowhere near that. They're more like a football shape. So definitely much more squashed in one direction than in the other, but not nearly as flattened as a very thin disc that we see in the spiral, in the spiral type galaxies. Question. Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh not necessarily. They're not they're not classified by size here, it's just by the shape. So you could have an E zero that's a dwarf. You could have an E zero that's one of these gigantic elliptical galaxies. You could have an E seven that's a dwarf, you could have an E seven that's a so they're not classified by size, they're only classified by their shape. So some are almost completely spheres, some are the most elongated. We don't go, E7 is where we stop, there's nothing beyond that, E8 or E9, there are no galaxies that go down into those classifications, elliptical galaxies just don't get any more squished than that. Alright, now we have one other type of galaxy to mention, well two more types. The next type are the lenticular galaxies. This is where our classification goes a little bit off. No, they're not class L galaxies, unfortunately. They are actually, they're actually related to the spiral galaxies in a way, so they're actually classified as S0 or as SB0. So they're classified along with the spiral galaxies because they're squashed down to a disk, they are flattened to a disk, and they might have a bar going through them. So. There's the bulge of the galaxy. Maybe you can see there's a faint bar going through, about like that. So a very faint bar going through it. Or you could have one that's just flattened down to a disk. But they don't show any spiral arms. So they have no spiral structure. They have no gas and dust. And therefore, no star formation. So they're they're kind of in between. They have the structure of a spiral galaxy in that they're flattened down to a disk. But they have the star characteristics of an elliptical galaxy. So if you can see their classification is kind of in between. It's got the S's and the Sb's for the spiral galaxy, showing that it's a disk galaxy. But it's not classified by a bold size with an A, B, or C. It's classified as, as zeroes in this case, uh, similar to the way elliptical galaxies are numbered. So they're kind of an in-between phase as to, Why a galaxy? It's a galaxy that flattened down to a disk, but in the process managed to use up all its gas and dust and doesn't have any gas or dust left to form new stars. So no star formation going on here. If we don't have spiral arms, we don't have interstellar gas, we're not going to be able to form any stars. So in some ways they're like ellipticals, but in their structure they can be very close to looking like spirals. Now some of them you look at there, and you're saying, why isn't that just an elliptical galaxy, right? That first one, doesn't it look like an elliptical galaxy? It takes more study than just being, it takes a little more uh, study of it to be able to understand, but this is actually a, flat, actually a flattened disk. So certain types of studies and observations of the motion would be able to tell us that, how the stars move in it would be able to tell us that it's actually a disk galaxy and not just a big blob of an an elliptical type galaxy. All righty. What else do we have here? One more type. And we have everything else, irregular galaxies. Irregular galaxy meaning they don't have any kind of coherent structure to them. Some of them are um, just big blobs, like the one on the right here. Just a big blob of stars. It's got no disk to it. It's not an elliptical galaxy. It's, not, it's just very irregular in terms of its shape. How it gets its classification as an irregular galaxy. So we see that. That's like the Large Magellanic Cloud, the Small Magellanic Cloud. The two that orbit around the, that orbit around the Milky Way. They're irregular, classified as irregular galaxies. There are others that we see like that on the left. Where well, that's an irregular galaxy, but that really looks weird. That's a big oval of, oval of stars. Those, some of those irregular galaxies are ones that are in the process of interacting. So the galaxies interact with each other and collide with each other, uh, much the way that I told you that gas clouds did in our own, for our own galaxy. The gas clouds collide. I think I did the beach ball example yesterday in the room, right? You bounce the beach balls around the room. Those are the galaxies, or the gas clouds. Put 20 of them in this room and let them bounce around. They're going to bang into each other. If I take 20 BBs and bounce them around this room, they're probably never going to hit each other. So the galaxies actually do collide. And we'll look a little bit more at galaxy collisions between this and the next, I think more in the next chapter. So if we put them all together, it's a table from the text here. Uh, really just summarizing what we see and what I've gone over with these different types of galaxies. um, I didn't classify. Irregular galaxies are usually just given an IRR for irregular. So, except for lenticulars, the only one you gotta try to keep track of. Everything else is, you know, pretty reasonable. Makes sense in terms of the classification types. Lenticulars are the only ones that are a little bit different. But going through these, it really just goes through the structures of looking at the spirals The spirals and the barred spirals, really pretty much the same except that one has a bar. Their properties are the same in terms of what type of stars, the gas and dust, the star formation, how the stars are moving. Elliptical galaxies have no disk, no star star formation, so nothing left that would form stars. No cool gas and dust that would form stars. In fact, no star formation in the last 10 billion years or so. And the star orbits are random. Remember, we looked at that for the halo of our galaxy. Halo of our galaxy had random orbits, and the galaxy, the elliptical galaxies, are really pretty much like a great big halo. Irregular galaxies are similar between the two. They're very tiny. You don't have large irregular galaxies. Uh, they're all very, they're all relatively small, but. You sometimes you get the, the stars and the gas all have irregular orbits. There's no pattern to them, such as the elliptical galaxies. But they have a ton of gas and dust and star formation, lots of star formation going on within these. So they have some properties that relate them to the spiral galaxies, some properties that relate them to the ellipticals. These might be a lot of what some of the very earliest galaxies were like, were these irregular galaxies. And then through constant collisions, They eventually, depending on the type of collision, they eventually became a spiral galaxy. Or if they used up all their gas and dust early on, became elliptical galaxies, as many of these galaxies would, these irregular galaxies, would combine in on each other. Let's see, let me me finish up with the tuning fork diagram, and then we'll pick up the rest of this uh, tomorrow. (coughs) Excuse me. The tuning fork is a method to try to think about the classifications. So it goes from the elliptical galaxies on the left-hand side there. So elliptical galaxies are here, the E0's. And then it classifies them as you go towards flat, more and more flattened elliptical galaxies. So E0, E1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. So E0 through E7 on this arm of the tuning fork. s zero is at the pivot here, right between the two arms of the tuning fork. Those are the lenticular galaxies, the ones that have properties of both the um, ellipticals and the spirals. And then spiral galaxies here and splitting up into two arms because you can get either the regular traditional spirals up to the top or the barred spirals down towards the bottom. And then irregular galaxies off here. Now this was likely early thought of as maybe this is how galaxies change over time. Maybe a galaxy forms as this great big blob, elliptical galaxy, and it's slowly, maybe we're seeing an evolutionary stage. Maybe we're seeing a big blob of galaxy eventually collapsing down. Big question would be, how do you get the dust to all of a sudden appear? How do you go from something with no gas and dust to form stars to all of a sudden getting a lot of it? But it might have been thought and then evolved through the different types of spiral over time. That's not what it is. It's just right now. It's just now known that there is no physical meaning to this classification scheme, or at least none that we completely understand yet. But it's just a convenient way to put everything together and try to keep track of the different types of galaxies. So elliptical galaxies on one side of the tuning fork, lenticulars right in the middle there, and then the uh, spirals on the two arms of the tuning fork. Let me see. Did I? Yep, that would be the end of that's the end of that section. So I'm going to go ahead and stop there so we can work on the lab for the rest of the time. And then I'll pick up on 152 and we should be able to finish up 15 uh, tomorrow for the for the exam on Thursday. Question? Question? Question?